Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon! Good morning, Lyle. Morning, Mon. How's it going? Going fantastic. Yeah, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful for all kinds of things. Uh, today I am grateful for... I'm trying to remember what I was grateful that for. we were on air. That we're on air. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yes, yeah. the computer is working Already because forgotten the computer was. That's because of the delayed broadcast, and this all happened two hours ago. Yes, it's true. Re- We've had a whole show Remember between. something from two hours ago, Mon? Yes. Yeah, so on the live broadcast, yeah, we were we were, we were a few minutes to going on live, and uh, our computer was having a bit of a tanty yes. and wasn't working. And so for a minute there, we thought it might be a no show for the day. And the amazing Marta was working miracles, and God was working miracles. And yeah, um, we said a few 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 intense prayers, and the Lord came through, and we went on air as per usual. Sure. We did Praise indeed. God. Had a great show. We yeah. had uh, Dr. Sven Ostring. Yeah, uh, uh, there you go. I said it wrong. Uh, said it wrong. We'll tell you more about Ostring versus Ostring versus Ostring. We'll talk all about that later. Yes. And the significance to from that to cheese. <laughs> and cheesels. And cheesels. But I, I too am grateful that we we're on air this morning. I have to admit, um, Lyle once again did the 4 a.m. swim. Oh, you did? Yep. Very nice. Uh-huh. Very Absolutely, nice. Yes. Yeah, water uh-huh. was perfect. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's only going, to get, only going to improve over the next couple of days. Hopefully it doesn't get too warm. Yeah, well, I hope so. It's supposed to be like 46 or something over down in Melbourne. 44 down in Melbourne today. So, yeah. yeah By the way, there. if you are listening to this. 38 in Hobart. If you're listening to this, thinking it's not 44 today in Melbourne. It's because this is the late broadcast introduction. And this was recorded on the 25th of January, Friday. And uh, who knows when you're actually getting this. But if you would like to switch across the live show, it is easy peasy, lemon squeezy. All you've got to do is go to our website, faithfm.com.au, press play on the live stream button, on the listen button, or download the TuneIn app onto your device. Just do the free version. Don't need to pay for that. And uh, search for Faith FM Australia and uh, listen to us there. You can add us to your favorites. Have us in your pocket. Plug your aux cord into your car, wherever it is you are. And I uh, yeah, listen to the live show that way. Yeah, so we remind you about this all the time. We remind you about this. We remind you about this all the time. Let me get this right. Yeah, yeah, go on. <coughs> and of course, um, but yeah, coming up in today's show, Dr. Sven Erstring is going to be talking about uh, apologetics. Which Extremely is intelligent human being. N- yes. Mm-hmm. Not apologizing apologetics. Which no. Means arguments in favor defending. of defending certain positions. And he's going to raise the question. Does God exist and is there evidence for a reasonable belief in the existence of God? So stay tuned, guys, and we'll be back right after this song.
To Jaden Levick with I Surrender All here on Faith FM. Mon, hit us with the first clue for the day. What is our quiz question? It's the end of the week, but I'm not going easy on you. I'm going to do a pretty hard Bible quiz. So, like serious bragging rights, if you can, if you can get this right. This is a what book am I quiz? Clue number one. Here you find Pharaoh's capturing Giza. Giza, Giza, mm-hmm. Giza. He set it on fire. Giza. And later gave it as a Giza. wedding gift to his daughter. So in this book, yep, Pharaoh captures a city, sets I know it on the story. fire, and gives it to his daughter as a wedding gift. Who gives a burnt city as a wedding gift to his daughter? Here, honey, love this char. Have, the, have, <laughs> have these ashes. Yeah. Well, um, Gaza or Giza, it's, it's actually known by both names. It's spelled G-E-Z-E-R, just in yeah. case you're wondering. Yep. And you'll even find it spelt G-I-Z-A. Oh, is it the same place? Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's not G-A-Z-A, Gaza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As well? Yeah, all of those. Wait, isn't there a place called the Gaza Strip? Yep. Is this the same is, thing? Which is near the ruins of oh, the city. Oh, hey. I didn't know that. Oh, all connected. Yeah. Oh, the plot thickens. <laughs> it's like Jerusalem is still called Jerusalem, you know. Oh, ha-ha. <laughs> At least it's spelled the same way. Anyway, give us a call if you... Wait, do you know the answer, Lyle? No. Oh, double prizes. Double prizes are up for grabs as long as Lyle doesn't know the answer. Once he's figured it out, we'll go back to single prizes. But for now, give me a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or text your answer 0491-064-669. Or message us through any of our social media platforms if you can get it right before Lyle. I'm going to send you two prizes today. All right, there it is. The challenge is out there. I'm so unhappy about it. <laughs> he hates this. <laughs> I do. I know the story. I don't know the oh, book. Oh, look at your little ego taking a beating. Yeah, just taking a, taking a smashing right now. Please, if you're like under the age of 12, definitely give us a call. <laughs> it's just the best thing ever when a kid calls up and like gets it before Lyle does. Anyway, Lyle, I have two really great stories to share with you. Well, one interesting and one that almost moved me to tears. 
I'm going to tell you the story of a man who did die back in 2006. Um, however, a journalist has recently discovered um, a really beautiful part of his life story and has shared it and it's gone viral. Uh, so his name is John Beale and he is an American. Uh, he actually served in the Vietnam War. <clears throat> and, uh, and when he got home, it turns out he was still in dire straits, but not because of gunfire, but because of his health. Uh, so um, after he got home to Seattle, Washington, he suffered three heart attacks within one year Ooh. of returning from war. Yeah. So they went to the hospital and uh, discovered that he had severe PTSD. Um, so post-traumatic mm-hmm, stress syndrome, mm-hmm. which is something that many soldiers and, mm. and uh, war veterans suffer from. Oh, yeah. And it's very serious. And, and I think we've underestimated how serious uh, PTSD is. And, and modern science is finding out more and more about how horrific PTSD is to your health. Mm-hmm. The doctor basically said he had only about four months to live. That's how bad it was. And, uh, and he said the doctor recommended that you should just get a hobby. And, uh, and so, you know, as a means of clearing his head, uh, this fellow, John Beale, he went for a walk to the local creek. It's called Ham Creek uh, there in Washington. Uh, Interesting name for a creek. I don't want to say it's famous. I want to say it's infamous. Um, and my computer is just it called free. Ham Creek because it smells like um, pigs by any chance? Actually, you're not far off. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Did they raise pigs there and sell the ham? No, I don't, I don't know why it's called Ham Creek, but he noticed that it was just revolting. Uh, so, you know, he, this guy, is, he's, he's going for a walk. He, he's faced with basically an immediate death, like an end of his life. Um, but he still took particular notice of just how revolting this waterway was. So he says there was yellowed fish, um, uh, which had been sullied by a nearby sewage plant. So yellowed water, uh, dead fish, broken cars, rotting debris. Just It was just disgusting. In fact, uh, people w- were cautioned to avoid getting into the water because they would often uh, emerge from the creek covered in rashes. Oy. Yeah, yeah. Who would get into that kind of a creek anyway? I mean, if yeah. I saw a creek full of all that kind of rubbish, you'd yeah. be like, ooh, this is a toxic waste dump. Stay away from it. Yeah, well, probably kids and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah and yeah. back in the day too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but according to... Uh, uh, Bill's daughter Liana, the creek actually inspired her father. Uh, he's and he said, "I did a lot of damage in Vietnam, so why not clean up where I am now before I pass on?" That was his attitude. So he started cleaning the river. He first removed all the trash and the garbage, um, and then he realised the aquatic wildlife was still unable to survive in this creek because the the water that flowed. Um, it actually continued into a series of underground pipes. So he removed all the pipes and uh, and it became like a, a hobby. It became a hobby just to keep cleaning this ham creek. And, uh, and you know, sometimes you'd get overwhelmed by just the, the, the enormity of having to clean this huge... Can you imagine trying to mm-hmm. clean up a creek like this disgusting? Um, he still persevered. He still persevered. And for 27 years... Wow. He cleaned this creek. I'm going to show you a wow. picture, Lyle. You're not going to believe this is a before and after. That you is have, Ham Creek before. You have got to be joking. It looks like yellow soup, doesn't it? Yeah. And that is it afterwards. It looks it's like flourishing. raw sewage is what it looks like. Yeah, it does. It looks like raw sewage. And it's it looks like, like the kind of thing, you know, when you you, you get your, 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 um, your sewage tank pumped out? Yeah. That's what it looks like in the photo. It's, it's in disgusting. In the before photo. It's like and in the after photo. Go within 30 meters of that creek. After the photo, it actually looks like you could drink it. Like it looks yeah, like a flourishing green oasis. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. Like the Garden of Eden. It does. It's just just incredible. The water that's is amazing. Even in the photo, you and can he lived see for through the water. Twenty-seven years after they told him he had three months to live. Twenty-seven years longer, and that's what purpose. Okay, can so do you've got three you. months to live. Then maybe this is something worth considering. <laughs> and I shouldn't joke about that. Be- but um, but yeah, you know, do something positive. It shows the power of positivity and doing exactly. something good. You know, exactly. 
and uh, and 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 having a a, a, a game a, a, a goal to aim for, not a game, a goal to yeah, aim for absolutely. is so important when you are. Uh, you know, suffering from a chronic illness. Well, he said this. He said, I was told in the first year that I took on this task that I, that you couldn't change it, that you could never bring it back to what it was. Well, it's restored. You can do anything you want if you possess an idea with a passion. If you pursue that and you stick with it long enough, you'll change the world. So he passed away 27 years later in 2006. Um, you know, it's like three decades after the doctor's original pro- prognosis. Like, that's just enormous. Um, and since his passing, uh, you know, local conservationists have uh, continued on uh, with his legacy, continued with the work, and they've actually made the area into a conservation area in his honour. So, yeah, this is... I, I'm going to post these pictures up online so you can have a look at it. But I just love this story. Like, getting out in nature is is very healing, and I think it went a long way to healing him. Lyle. Yes. Before we run out of time. Yes. I'm going to tell you a really cool story. Yes. Uh, the world's largest shipping container is ditching fossil fuels and challenging their competitors to do the same. The world's largest shipping container? No, shipping company. Oh, company. I think it's a container. Okay. Um, company. Do you know who it is? Um, no. It's Dutch. You're Danish. Nope. Uh, um, I wish you did because I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I mean, we all know uh, this Mayersk? one. Yes, Mayersk. Thank you. I have no idea how to pronounce it either. I just said that. Yeah, M A E R S K. We've all seen that on uh-huh. boats and, and that containers. Ditching fossil fuel. What are they going to use? This, that, this is crazy, right? And uh, so that they're um, they're, they're going to ditch it for uh, carbon neutrality. They're challenging all the other companies to do so. Um, according to the UN, uh, overseas shipping contributes to about uh, roughly about three percent of uh, world's total carbon emissions, while handling ninety percent of the world's trading. Which I think is actually a pretty good trade off. It's only yeah, that's not too bad to do ninety percent of uh, of the moving around of trade. Um, and makes it incredibly efficient. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Developing carbon-neutral shipping vessels is no easy task, apparently. So, according to the company, an electric cargo truck used for shipping purposes is expected to to be able to carry two containers and run for about 800 kilometers per charging. So, in comparison, container vessel carrying thousands of containers sailing from, say, Panama to Rotterdam will need to be able to travel 8,800 Ks with short battery durability and no charging points along the way. Uh, they are desperately trying to create some innovative developments. Um and, and, sh- and shipping containers, shipping vessels usually run for about twenty to twenty-five years before they're retired. Mm-hmm. Um, so they actually hope to meet their carbon neutral goal by twenty fifty by replacing their shipping fee- fleet with clean energy powered vessels within the next few decades. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is seriously cool. I, you know what I think they should do to? Uh, I think they should bring back sailing ships. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I'm. So, I mean, I'm this, so the ultimate that. in green energy and green power it's, is just harness the wind, uh-huh, off you go. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm absolutely. all for that. Bring back the clippers, and they're such beautiful, beautiful ships. I mean, you look at a container ship today, uh-huh. and it's just the most ugly, square, boxy-looking thing ever. But exactly. you look at the, you know, you look at the clippers that came out, you know, towards the end of the sailing era, and they are the most beautiful vessels that the world has ever seen. And they should back, bring it back for the uh, big cruise ships. The big cruise ships, they should they should bring back sailing ships. I, I should lend you my. Book. I would I would so go on a sailing ship. Oh, absolutely! I should lend you my book. I have a really beautiful coffee table book called The Golden Age of Sail. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, like, I'm not even really into boating oh, that no, much, but it's just, you can, the you boats are help. beautiful. That's yeah, right, you can't yeah, help but like it. The boats are beautiful. Give us a call if you want to share some good news that you've heard recently, that you've experienced recently. We would love to share it with the world. Even tell us what you're grateful for. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. This is Ali and Leighton with the song Beyond. You speak 
Welcome back, guys. That was Alan Layton with Beyond here on Faith FM. Mon, time for another clue for the quiz. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. I've written down a guess. You've written, let me see it. I've written down a guess. Oh, there's a lot of right on that page. Oh, down there. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Ha! <laughs> Lyle's wrong. Nah. I'm so happy about Lyle being wrong. Okay, I'm going to give you a second clue for our What Book Am I quiz. Clue number two is a quote from this book. Book of the Bible, by the way, not just any book. Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. End quote. Where is that Bible verse found in the Bible? And Lyle has it correct. He's just written down the correct answer. But there's still a prize to be won. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Yeah, well, it kind of had to be one or two, but anyway... Why did I pick the wrong one? Is that like a little hidden clue that you've just given? Had to be um, one of two? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bit of oh, a Which two out of 66? Um, yeah. Lyle Southwell. Okay, so air conditioning is creating loneliness. What? Yes. It's new research put out by the... Well, that uh, explains everything. University of Western Sydney. <laughs> um, it is... I'm dying to hear this, Lyle. <laughs> I'm, 30, I'm almost 35 and I'm single and I admit I love air conditioning. In fact, just recently I wrote in a group chat that I'm in that air conditioning is my boyfriend. So, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe there is truth to this, but go on. <laughs> yes, and you're couch surfing at my place where there is no, no air, air conditioning at all. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so you just got to drink lots of water. Um, so, basically what's happening is that it's creating... A a sedentary, passive, and lonely lifestyle as our culture moves away from other forms of cooling off, you know, traditional forms of cooling off, to just ducking indoors and closing all the doors and windows whenever the heat comes on. And so these are researchers from Western Sydney University. Um, and so we've got a lot less people going to the pool. So traditionally people on a hot day, they go to the pool or go to the beach. Yeah. Um, these days when the, the weather gets hot, people are deserting the pool and the beach in favour of... Sitting at um, home on the couch and binge watching Econ Netflix. and Netflix. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. You just quoted the article. <coughs> I just quoted my life. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, and, uh, and as a result, we are um, developing a reduced capacity to deal with hot weather. And so this is one of the. Well, I think one of the reasons why this happens is because we do have the media beating up, you know, all of this hot weather all the time about yeah. how amazingly hot it is and mm-hmm. how ridiculously hot it is. And you know, there's a there's a record broken in Adelaide. I think it was yesterday at forty six point something or other, and everybody freaks out of their mind. Um, whereas really, yeah, that is that is oppressively hot. But there are parts of the world that are a lot hotter than that. True. And people, you know, live just fine and they live just fine without air conditioning. Air conditioning is not a requirement for survival in 50 degree heat. Mm -hmm. Water is a requirement. You need to drink a lot of water. But provided you keep the water up, you should be generally just fine. Yes. Um, We've got uh, a, a culture in which, of course, we are training our children. In this path, because you know, a lot of childcare centres, once the temperature reaches a certain moderate temperature, they're not allowed outside. Oh, really? They have to stay inside in the air conditioning, um, and uh, and this is combined with a very large rise in single occupant dwellings. 
So if you combine a um, a low heat tolerance with a lot of single occupant dwellings, you've got a lot of people spending time on their own, and so aircons are creating loneliness. Wow, they should create like air conditioning social centers where it's like just a, a room where you can all sit together and enjoy the air conditioning but still be social. It's called the local swimming pool. Go for a swim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, people just simply lock themselves in their sides inside. And what it's also resulted in is that we're no longer building um, shaded areas, water features or swimming pools. Um, these are no longer being planned for because the demand is not, not there because the demand has been replaced by air conditioning. That's a shame. It is a shame. And, and, you know, I think, you know, our traditional Australian beach culture yeah. suffers a little bit. It's amazing our beach culture. We need to protect that. We're, we're, we're replacing our beach culture with an air conditioning culture. It's funny you should mention that you're, you're that they're saying that it's we're building, we're growing a generation of people who don't know how to deal with heat because I was wondering that. I was wondering, like, I, when I was a kid... I didn't remember being so uncomfortable in the summer. No, and you just get used to it. Now I'm just like, it's unbearable. That's and because... And I will drive to a shopping centre if my air conditioning's broken. Where, so let me share with you why you find the summer unbearable. It also because because at the beginning of the summer, wait. you switched on your aircon. Yeah. If you don't switch it on at the beginning of the summer, you will go through about two weeks of unbearable heat and then you'll acclimatise to it and it'll be just fine because, I mean, you know, did you grow up with aircon? No. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you and you in Western Australia, can, of all places. Can, can you believe it, Mon? That you actually survived a childhood without air conditioning, and I'll bet that during the middle of summer you were still playing it's child abuse, running around the house, going outside. But these days, it is considered to be child abuse not to provide air conditioning for your children and that's on hot days. Yeah, that's totally hectic. Uh, we need to be providing water for our children and activity because. Sweating is actually a really, really healthy thing. Oh, very good. And uh, incredibly healthy. And summer is the time of year when you have that opportunity to really cleanse and detox your body Mm -hmm. through sweating. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we are averse to sweating because, you know, it's, it's like it's considered to be socially unacceptable. Um, You know, about 100 years ago or so, we invented a thing called body odor. Yeah. Um, And then because we invented body odor, we invented deodorant to counteract that body odor, um, which means that we you know, fill our pores with chemicals rather than use our pores to cleanse our body. And so if you use a lot of water and you spend some time during the day having a good sweat, then, and what happens is that you'll often find people who are very, very unhealthy who simply don't sweat. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was uh, um, at Heartland College, it was the health institute there, and they would have people who would come in who could not sweat and they would put them in a steam bath or the sauna and they literally were not able to sweat and they would work on that skin and work on those pores and by the end of the week they'd have sweat pouring out of them and their sweat would come out yellow. You could wipe their oh. you could wipe their skin with a white cloth and the white cloth would just turn instantly yellow because they hadn't sweated for so many years and their body was just full like of chemicals mm-hmm. and toxins and uh, and for the first time it was starting to detox. Yeah, that's one of the main the reasons skin. I don't use antiperspirants because your body is made to perspire. Yeah. So putting something on it that inhibits perspiration can only it's be bad news. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. It's yeah. like, why would you do such a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, if you take care of your, your diet and your water intake, your body shouldn't stink when you, when you do sweat. Like, it might have a, a faint human odor, but it won't... Be repulsive. A strong, a strong smell is definitely a sign of dehydration. Yeah, and 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 diet. Yes, and yeah, uh, poor and, diet. And, and um, you, you, your urine should never have color in it. That's right. Like ever. Yeah. If it has color in it, you're dehydrated. That's right. It's a bit clear. Go drink two glasses of water. 
It's the easiest way to, to to monitor your water intake is like what color are you peeing? Because if it's clear, you're good. If it's not, drink some more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I remember as a kid growing up and also, you know, working out in places like Burke when I was a teenager and, and you know, during the middle of summer, the height of summer. And yeah, tremendously hot days. We're working outside in the middle of a paddock with no shade and it's 45 degrees every day. Wait, do you think that might also be an element of this uh, is due to, you know, um, global warming and, and, and people freaking okay. out because, like, it, it, the planet is getting hotter and they're like, oh, no, you know, I can't handle global warming. And the warming. media loves to beat it up and the yeah. media freaks everybody out. Like, oh, we're going to break temperatures today. Well, we broke the temperature by, like, point one of a degree, mm-hmm. break the record by, and, and the media loves to do this, bring it up, and so you hear it in the media like, oh no, this is going to be a terrible day, we're going to have to do, you know, this and that and the other to um, to try and stay cool, whereas, you know, we don't necessarily need to do so, and talking about fossil fuels and global warming, um, basically fossil fuels um, are believed to drive up temperatures, um, high temperatures create lots of air conditioners, lots of air conditioners burn lots of fossil fuels, fossil fuels create high temperatures. Oh, there you go. And burning all those, running all those air conditioners, of course, you're pumping heat one direction and cold air the other direction. So you're actually creating a lot of heat. And what this is doing is creating heat islands within cities uh, where it is significantly hotter than the surrounding countryside. Um, and these are areas that we mentioned before that have black roofs and black roads and very, very poor insulation and air cons running flat chat. And you, know, you can be two or three degrees hotter than the surrounding countryside and no shade. You know, because a Macca's mansion has no room in it for um, for any kind of shade. It's funny because, you know, acclimatization is a real thing. And we know it because we travel. We go to a cold country, we adjust. We come to a hot country, we yeah. adjust. It's real. And it's just hit my, hit my mind. Australians are acclimatizing away from Australia while still being in Australia. That's right. We are acclimatizing away from our culture, uh, from, our, from our country. country. While we're still in it. Doesn't mm-hmm. that boggle your mind? It does. Doesn't that boggle your mind? We need to maybe switch up the aircon. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. And if you're worried about the pollution that's caused by air conditioning, don't worry. Just go vegan. <laughs> because animal agriculture is what's really destroying our planet in terms of pollution. And I've, I think if everyone went vegan, we could all have like five air conditioners each and it wouldn't matter.
You're listening to Carly Fletcher here on Faith FM. And before we go to our guest interview for the day, we have another clue for our quiz. Yes, indeed. It is our third clue for our What Book Am I quiz. And this is another quote. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. Mm, where will you find that verse? Which book? Give I was us about a to call. say, who might that be? Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually, what book am I? Yes, what book is it? Give us a call if you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. 1-800-324-843. You can win the prize here this morning. Joining us in the studio this morning is Dr. Sven Erstring. Welcome to the show, Sven. Excellent, Sven. excellent pronunciation there, Lyle. Yeah, I was practicing that. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Now, uh, Dr. Dr. Sven Erstring is a, uh, a man with many different interests, but one of them is apologetics and over the last few months he has been posting up some very um, thought-provoking posts on Facebook which have created some interesting discussions. So I've invited him this year uh, as he's come to uh, this region to spend a little bit of time with us from time to time to talk about apologetics, uh, which is basically, well, how would you, what's the definition of apologetics? Well, apologetics is not apologizing. It's apologetics is really giving a reason for, for something. And in particular, what we're looking at here is giving the reason for why we believe in God and why we believe in Jesus. So that, that's the whole focus of apologetics. Sure. So when you talk to atheists sometimes who, you know, and they're like, yeah, I don't believe in God. You know, I don't, I don't believe that there's, um, I don't believe that there's fairies in my backyard because I've never seen them. Yes, exactly. And and that is the whole role of apologetics. And and look, the question of whether God actually exists is is amazing because you know the idea of fairies and and unicorns, well, you could take it and leave it, right? But but imagine that there really is this amazing all-powerful God who who loves us and wants to communicate with us and indeed can do amazing things in our lives. Wouldn't that be amazing to to actually discover that that person exists and actually communicate with with him? Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be truly amazing. And I mean, there's a reason why, you know, different um, departments around the world spend large amounts of money to try and find out whether there is life outside of this planet. Yes, exactly. And that's um, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Yeah. But this is so much more than that. This is not just So that aliens. would be that would be exciting if they found that, but this is way beyond that because it's saying yes there is and that this person is an all-loving um, you know, benevolent being who cares for us and wants to have a relationship with us. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I'm so fascinated by it. And it's a question which so many people actually find really interesting. Even even atheists love to explore this question. And that's what I found. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so have you ever seen God or have you ever met anybody who has seen God? I I haven't myself in terms of physically seeing God, mm-hmm. um, but you can find some really, really good evidence or reasons. That's exactly what I want to hear this morning. So um, share with us some, some, some evidences to, um, you know, that, share with us some evidences that an atheist skeptical person should consider in relationship to the existence of God? Because you and I don't question the existence of God. 
No, we don't. But somebody who does. Okay, so we've got a listener this morning, and they're listening in. And they're like, "Yeah, I'm not really sure whether God exists or not." What are you going to sh- what, are you, what, are you, what are you going to share with them? Well, let me just step back, um, make a quick step back, Lyle, and say that even I have sometimes I've wondered, does God really exist? And I reckon maybe even you've done that too, Lyle. And so this is a question that we all need to to answer. And so what I want to do is I want to run quickly through six really powerful reasons why you can believe that God exists. So the first one is this, is where did the universe come from? Now, what science has found, and also you can find it in philosophy as well, is that the universe had a beginning. Mm -hmm. And the best reason to believe that is that what they call the second law of thermodynamics, which means that the universe is basically running down. So that the sun is using up all of its energy, just like a clock or, or your watch or your laptop computer. And as that goes down, finally it's going to go down to zero. Now, that means that at some point in the past, it actually was all wound up. It was all, the batteries were all charged up, which means that the universe had a beginning. Because if it's always existed, then the batteries would have run down to zero by now already. So if the universe had a beginning, the question is, what caused the universe to exist? And that points us to an all-powerful God, creator God. So that's the first reason that we can look at the reason that God exists. Yeah, and one of the things that I find fascinating is that uh, I, I met people who don't believe in the existence of God and they say that the universe began from nothing. Yes. So well, something came from nothing. Now, that's hardly scientific. Yeah. Well, well, Lawrence Krauss actually wrote a book, A Universe from Nothing. But if you think about that, that is really strange kind of logic. I mean, the, the fact is this, that the universe is an amazing place to live. I mean, it's huge. And yet it all goes back to to nothing if, if God doesn't exist. And that just doesn't make sense. So in our own experience in life, we always see that there is a cause uh, for what we see around us. The law of cause and effect. Exactly. Okay, so the origin of the universe, yes. What else, what else would we look at? Okay, the second reason is this, is that what cosmologists and astronomers have found is that the universe is actually really finely tuned. There's a whole lot of parameters in the universe, a bit like the parameters in your car, um, which are... Uh, finely tuned for you and I and Monica to actually exist. And that's things like the gravitational constant. Uh, there's, there's a ratio between the weak and strong forces inside the atoms and things like that. And they all have to be balanced exactly right. And if they weren't, basically the we wouldn't have stars, we wouldn't have planets. So you and I could not exist if the universe was not finely tuned. But that's what we're stuffing up, really. We're stuffing up that fine-tuning with our you know, pollution, our, our ruining of the planet, and we're seeing the result of us stuffing up that fine-tuning, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so the question is, how could the universe be finely tuned? And in fact, um, atheists themselves, like Christopher Hitchens said, this is one of the most puzzling things for them. Why, how could you get this universe to be exactly right just for you and I and penguins and dolphins uh, to exist on this planet. So that points back to someone choosing that this universe with all the parameters actually exists, and that points us back to God. Ah, fantastic. Now, the, your next point that you're going to talk about is one that I find most fascinating. I want you to spend a little bit of time on that one, on this one, and that is the origin of moral values. I mean, seriously, can't moral values just come as a, as a process of uh, you know experimentation? Well, the, the reality is that, that we just have this intuitive kind of sense that there are moral values and that we should do some things or, or we shouldn't probably is a better way to put it. So, so you and I know that, that it is actually really wrong 
to to torture somebody for fun. I mean, that's there's deep inside of us. There's something that that resonates with that. Or you know, we with the royal commission, we know that it's it's wrong to to sexually abuse children, and and that we could keep on going for a number of other things as well. Um, and if the question is this, where do those moral values come from? Where do they come from? They they need an objective kind of foundation, and the challenge is there's one which is is just based on your choice versus mine. So so you like vanilla ice cream? I don't know whether you do or don't. And I happen to really love lemon sorbet. That that's that's my favorite kind of ice cream. And you I'll, just I'll have either as long as ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but, but maybe Monica yeah. doesn't really like it. But the question is, you know, if it's our subjective choice, then. It's not really wrong. It's just that I don't like torturing people for fun, but you happen to to do, and 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 so it's your choice versus mine, your 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 likes versus mine. So we can't get the foundation. Now the other possibility is that it's kind of come through our genes, so so that we evolved this uh, this morality that that kind of works, you know, for us. the The question there is that if we keep on evolving. What what happens? Why doesn't our morality? Why doesn't that evolve as well? Why doesn't that change as well? Um, because there's nothing fixed about the the evolutionary process, as the scientists say that it works. So the reality is, it can't be based on your choice versus mine. It can't be based on evolution. So where else can it come from? Now it could come from, say, you know, some people might say it's like the physics. But the reality is this, is when you're out in space and you have two asteroids collide together and they smash into each other, nothing wrong has actually occurred. It's just, you know, an, an accident, a, an accident out in space. Just an event. Just an event. So it can't be based on physics either. What you need is someone who is actually the, the moral standard that, that provides that, who is morally perfect, like a, like a, you know, the, um, the standard meter bar that they have in France, somewhere in France. And that, that provides a standard for all other meter bars, all other meter rulers. And it's same thing here. We need somebody who's beyond you and beyond me, beyond our likes and dislikes and beyond Monica, how she might have, her genetics might have changed over time and her physics. We need somebody to say, okay, well, this is right and this is wrong. And this leads us back to a what they call what C.S. Lewis called a moral lawgiver, and that is God Himself. It's it's really amazing, amazing reason to believe in God. So, from an evolutionary perspective, um, is it possible for a species to thrive without morality? Because you know maybe an evolutionist could say, well. We have evolved a moral code because it helps us to thrive as a species. You, you could certainly say that, but there's some situations which don't make sense in terms of just survival. So, so say for example, I were, we were down at the river, okay, or, or down at the beach. So I happen to I I need to go to to the Surf Lifesaver Club uh, to buy an ice cream or maybe go to the bathroom or whatever that may be. Lemon turbo. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and and. 
you happen to be down at the beach. You see my little boy, Nathaniel, and he's heading towards the water, okay? So so he's running down there, and you're going like, I'm not, I really don't know whether he's going to, knows how to swim or whatever. He dives in, and, and there comes a rip. He, he's only swum in a swimming pool before, and and so you say, look, Sven's up there at the uh, Surfers Lifesaver Club, and I'm down here. I'm going to jump in. You jump in to try and save him, and in the process, you save him, but you actually drown. Um, just an imaginary scenario. Yeah, but it's a scenario that has happened many times. It has. But the, what is the morality behind that? From an evolutionary point of view, you made a really dumb mistake. Because you should have said, well, stuff Sven's son. I need to survive and my kids need to survive. But what you did was really morally admirable. It was heroic. And anyone, any, any, any human being is going to recognize that. Yes. And this is the amazing thing that we find um, in the story we have, the account we have of God, that he was willing to actually die for us. And from an evolutionary point of view, that makes no sense. But from a moral point of view... It's absolutely brilliant. Mm, mm. Yeah, and it reminds me of, um, you know, you, you, you look at many creatures that are out there that have no moral code at all. I mean, they do horrific things in nature. Yes. And survive quite fine as a species. That's right. That's you know, right. With, without relationships, without love, without morality, they just, you know, seem to live to exist, to kill and eat and to pass on their genetic material. Yes, yes. Then the other thing with morality as well, which we should um, consider too, is that um, mor- morality needs to occur in the scenario that you and I have freedom of choice. So if you and I just are, are biological, biochemical machines then there's nothing wrong with what we do. We're just doing things out of instinct. Uh, but you and I are different from insects and, and other animals because we have freedom of choice. You could stand on that beach and you could say, am I going to choose to try and rescue Nathaniel or am I going to choose to try and survive myself? And that's where morality is really important, that you and I have true freedom of choice. Mm, 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 absolutely. Okay, very quickly, um, you listed a number of other points here, long-range prophecy. Now, I, I like the way you've put long-range in there, long-range predictive prophecy. Yes, yes. Um, why is long-range different from short-range? Well, I mean, you can all uh, we can all say, look, you know, we can see some clouds out there. It looks like it's going to rain. Uh, we have weather forecasts that do it all the time. But, you know, if, if you were to try and predict political events, economical events, uh, 2,000 years into the future, 2,500 years in the future, whatever that may be, you know, that would be really stunning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for you and I, we, we can't do that really. But, you know, God can. If he transcends, if he's beyond time, then God can, uh, he can predict amazing things in the future. And that's what we find in the Bible. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so much of that in the Bible. Um, life, death, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Yes, exactly. Now, if you want to. Maybe that's, maybe that's one we could dig into in more depth one day. We certainly will. We certainly will. Like. Yeah, I, I like that one. Mm. Um, and uh, a personal experience. Just Absolutely. Share that with me. You can experience God for yourself. That's the key. Yes, absolutely. Sven, thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. We have only just really scratched the surface here of so many things that we uh, we could have gotten into and talked about in more detail, but I'm looking forward to you joining us here on a, on a, on a semi-regular basis as we go through the year to look at uh, apologetic questions. And if you have some questions you'd like answered, give us a call. You know what our number is. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg O'Pillay.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Sanctified and blessed, you're set apart. 